the wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue, producer Lance Glenn behind the scenes, and we've entered the final stretch of a very busy June here in Happy Valley. It has become the crux of the summer recruiting calendar when you look at the month of June across college football late portions of this month and the early days of July have become uh, uh, prime territory to see a bunch of pledges pop up. We've seen Penn State with some movement, bringing some guys on board. Some commitment dates have been set. We're going to get into all that and plenty more with Tyler Calvaruzzo right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast. He's been a steady guest of ours since he joined the site just about a month ago. And man, you hopped in the frying pan. We talked about it. We're almost through this month of June. A lot of movement. Penn State lost the commit. They picked up a few others. There are pieces out there for the taking, but uh, you've been doing great work, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a really busy first month, but hey, that's what this is all about. I'm happy I came on when I did. I mean, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a good luck charm with everything that's been going down lately. We'll give you the credit, all the credit to you. Uh, and, and by the way, you're, you're you're working your way through a sore throat right now. So, uh, you know, and we're going to send we're, we're getting you a mic. I know I've some people saying, hey, why doesn't the other Tyler have a mic? We got a mic going your way. So people have been a, a little concerned about the audio quality. Uh, we got that covered in just a bit. Yeah. Uh, but Tyler, before we get to what's going on this weekend, which is more official visits and, and kind of wrapping up that official visit window for the month of June, seven on seven tournament on campus tomorrow. Let's look at some of the more recent midweek happenings because there are no off days right now on the recruiting trail. And yesterday, Conrad Hussey, a safety commit for Penn State, who was on campus last weekend with his teammate King Mack, popped up on another campus in Florida. Previously, it was the Miami Hurricanes he was spending some time with. This time, he's at Florida State in Tallahassee. You, Andrew Ivins, down in Florida, did a really good job reporting on this and covering this on our Lions 24-7 message board on Wednesday. For our listeners out there now, maybe contrast this from what happened with Josh Miller a few weeks ago when he went down to Georgia. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest thing to note from all this, that this does not profile as a Joshua Miller situation. The thing with Miller was that the the original intel that we had indicated that he was just going down there with the Life Christian Academy guys for a team camp at Georgia, and that seemed like it was that. Then, you know, a day or two later, it comes out that team camp visit turned into an unofficial visit where he worked out for the staff, blew the staff away, and that sent all of that into motion. Hussey, we've confirmed that's not really the case. He kind of just really did go down there to Tallahassee with his team, and that was pretty much that. You know, short term, I don't think there's really anything for Penn State to worry about. I've said it on here multiple times. Any time a commit pops up elsewhere, you got to worry to some extent and just, you know, kind of look into that and monitor it. But in the short term, Hussey's trip to Florida State yesterday, it it doesn't really – Raise any alarms for me, and we've done our digging on that. So if, they, if there was something there, you know, it, we would know. 
Yeah, I think where where that narrative changes, if like you said, if information gets out that there was you know, a workout involved there, or uh, if he's pops up on social media doing the tomahawk chop in a, chop in a Seminoles uniform, you know that's going to turn some heads as well. Uh, as of right now, as you said, um, you know Hussey on board, and I mentioned King Mac, uh, his teammate down at St. Thomas Aquinas. These are two of the more high profile safeties in the state of Florida right now, and 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 Mac has really surged up that board. He's a top ten safety at the position right now. I think Hussey's inside the top top 25, top 30. Um, but how do you see maybe that factor playing a role um, as these two kind of sort through their own respective recruitments? I think it kind of goes without saying that the sooner that Mac commits to Penn State, if that's what he decides to do, it'll be better just in terms of keeping custody long-term because those two have discussed playing together at the next level. It is something that they've said that they wanted to do. But at the same time, they're not really tied. You know, it, if Mac was all about playing with Hussey, you know, they'd be together on every single trip Hussey makes. That That's really just kind of how that'd be playing out. And it is really tight between Penn State and Michigan State right now for Mac. So that's – I still like where Penn State's at. I still like the crystal ball. But that Michigan State official visit really proved to be an impactful one to the point where this isn't a sure thing for either program right now. There's a lot of thinking that Mac is doing. There's a lot of considering that he's doing along with his family. So, yeah, just obviously Mac to Penn State would help keep Hussey. But th those two are not joined at the hip necessarily. It feels like a rare occurrence when you see now a top 10 safety prospect or, yep. or a prospect of that caliber from the hotbed that is South Florida and a program like St. Thomas Aquinas coming down to a couple programs that are in the Big Ten. You, you know, it's just if you don't really see it shape up, maybe a couple Big Ten teams are in a top four or five. But I think it's very interesting that right now it seems like he's either going to end up in East Lansing, Happy Valley. I think the one thing we've got to monitor and you know throw that Florida recruiting disclaimer on all of this if you'd like. Um, teams are not going to shy away from these guys. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is going to have eyes on them all season. They're going to have a, a revolving door of recruiters and coaches engage with their coaching staff, engage with other players on their team, engage with them even. So this is one that you're going to have to weather the storm. We talked about that a little bit with Marcus Stokes. But I think sometimes you have to reevaluate recruitments as the cycle continues, Conrad Hussey, I think, is a good example because he committed in April. It was kind of a, a nice surprise. You pick up this kid from Florida, three-star prospect. Doesn't blow you away, but it, it's a nice surprise for a lot of Penn State fans. Now here he is. He's a rankings riser. He went to Las Vegas to that showcase a couple weekends ago. You got guys like Steve Wolfong saying he may have been the most impressive defensive back in attendance. And so now you got to kind of recalibrate, look through a different lens of sorts, and Hussey, you know, it just it, it feels a little bit different keeping him on board. It feels like you got to win this recruitment again in December. And, and I guess you could really throw that disclaimer for a lot of these long distance targets. But specifically with where Hussey is kind of feels like they're going to have to, to get a follow up commitment before they get to December. Yeah, we've talked about it plenty. You know, you get certain guys on board where you kind of have to recruit them harder once they're committed than you did beforehand, just, you know, because all these schools come calling. We've seen it with Hussey, the likes of Oklahoma offering after that showcase where he really went out there and dominated and opened a lot of eyes. I think he was on the radar for a lot of these programs beforehand, but they saw what he accomplished in Vegas, and it was like, it's time to get in on this kid. But, yeah, you got to go hard to keep a kid like this, especially – a Florida kid from a program like St. Thomas Aquinas. This is going to be a battle for the staff. Like They're going to have to ramp it up for sure. So you won't have to worry about tracking Penn State commits, looking at official visits elsewhere until the season because that window is going to close here in, in, in about a week. 
But then when you look into the season, you've got three months there where, where you know, four months, I should say, where guys are going to be able to, to get on the move again and explore their options. Fortunately for Penn State, um, and, and as we kind of think they're going to have a lot of this class put together by the time training camp rolls around, that's the time where high school seniors tend to start to get that narrow focus, get on the get on that path towards a state championship goal and kind of set things to the side when they're committed. If you're Penn State, you'd love for that to happen with some of these long-term guys. Let's talk about crystal ball movement because there's been a lot of that this week tyler you've been a part of that so is brian doan so is steve wiltfong and we'll stick with florida and we'll stick with the guy uh that the gators uh have really wanted and that's Trayon webb uh top 10 running back prospect uh down in, in jacksonville florida trinity christian academy that's a program uh that penn state signed four-star cornerback ken miller out of last cycle what are you hearing and what encouraged you to, to have that optimistic viewpoint for penn state right now so just the way that Webb's official visit with uh, with Penn State played out, it was really a positive in so many ways. And I know I keep talking about the impact that Penn State has made on families during these official visits, and that couldn't be truer when it comes to Webb. They really, his father loved the trip <laughs> pretty much as much as his son. He, he loved the experience. He loved the school. He loved the coaching staff. And that put Penn State in a position to give Florida a serious run. The thing with Florida is, you know, Webb being a legacy down there, his recruitment has taken so many twists and turns. It's just a matter of I'm not really prepared to write the Gators off just yet. I know Webb's going to be at South Carolina for his final official visit of the summer this weekend, so who knows what's going to pop up there. But this profiles as a Penn State-Florida battle right now. I don't have a crystal ball in for Webb right now. I think Florida, I don't want to say they scare me, but they're there, and – the relationships are there as well. And I know Florida recently hopped on the phone with Webb and they talked to him and it kind of seems like, you know, things are back in a good place with them. So I like where Penn state is trending, but Florida is very much still there. And I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I know it's possible Webb could be on the verge of wrapping things up. I, I saw the unofficial commitment being thrown out there. I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen at this rate. You know how fluid these things are, mm-hmm. but yeah, Penn state right there right now. I'm feeling good. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to say I'm getting closer to somebody in a crystal ball, but I want to see where things keep trending. I want to see if the buzz keeps pointing in Penn State's favor. Yeah, well, I think it was noted down in Gainesville when Mr. Wiltfong cast his crystal ball in the favor of Penn State for Trayon Webb. I know you're not there yet, but when Wiltfong does one of those, people pay yeah. attention, and and certainly we did as well. And, and, and so, by the way, with Webb, this will be his third commitment. Whatever his yeah. commitment is going to happen next is his third commitment. So, again, monitoring this one all the way to where the, the everything is signed and sealed and delivered uh, in this winter with his recruitment process. Um, Tony Rojas is another hot name getting that crystal ball movement this week. And, and this is one where it's been a roller coaster of emotions on the message board regarding the four-star linebacker out of Virginia. Georgia has made a push, but maybe a little too late. Yeah, as of yesterday, it seemed like there was a chance that Rojas was going to wind up not making his official visit to Georgia. We have to see what comes about with that. But as of yesterday, I believe the board was unlikely that he would make that trip. But, you know, we'll see if he actually winds up making it to Athens or not. If he doesn't, I think that the writing is pretty much on the wall at that point. That's where I'll be in terms of submitting a crystal ball. I'm getting pretty close with him. And, yeah, I think just Penn State did such a good job on the officials to the point where Rojas is kind of – starting to center in and realize that Happy Valley might be the place for him. Again, we'll see what happens this weekend. We'll see if he gets up to Georgia, but the intel is indicating that trip, a good chance it might not happen. 
Yeah, if you haven't figured this out yet, folks, following college recruiting, especially in the middle of the summer right now, it's an hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute mm-hmm. process. Tyler, you've done a great job on our message board at Lines 24-7 for our VIP subscribers. Keep following there. Uh, 30% off for new annual subscribers. Check it out. $1 for one month. Get get to know what we're doing there. Get to know what Tyler's brought to the site. Uh, just got a few more things to get to before we uh, turn our attention uh, to, to uh, what's ahead here, and uh, that's Samir Robinson because this is an in-state target that Penn State has prioritized for years now. He's really grown up as a prospect. Brian Donas documented that. And, you know, linebacker, uh, edge rusher, where is he long-term? You just know that you want him as part of your long-term plans. And for Penn State, you mentioned Miami being a factor there. It seems like they have come out of this official visit in a really good spot. Yeah, pretty much everything that I've heard excuse me, since that official visit points in Penn State's favor. And I've, I've put a crystal ball pick in for Penn State to get Robinson at the end of the day. I think that's just the way things are heading. Could give all the credit to Miami. You know, they, they had him down there in early June. They had a really good official with him. And I, I wrote in yesterday's little uh, Wednesday afternoon update that there, it seemed like there was a point where Miami really had it at 50-50. That's how good of a job they had done with Robinson. But his official visit with Penn State kind of reset things and has the Nittany Lions trending once again. I have that crystal ball pick in. I feel really good about it. I think it's going to be Penn State for Robinson when he announces in July. I'll tell you what, you've seen the impact of getting guys on campus, getting face-to-face, not just with the recruits, but the families, and not just with the coaches, but also the support staff that does so much work for the Nittany Lions behind the scenes and, and Lash facilities. And I think uh, you know we that was greatly missed. I think Brian Doan said that no program across college football was impacted more severely than Penn State due to the uh, sanctions on in-person recruiting and campus visits that occurred during the COVID pandemic. You saw that play out with a very less than stellar 2021 2021 recruiting class. The last couple of recruiting classes looks like they might be stacking something really special. Um, Looking a little bit more long-term, some offers went out at camp, uh, Wednesday's camp, uh, which was the fourth elite showcase event of this month for Penn State. They'll have their fifth and final elite Mm -hmm. showcase camp in late July. That'll be part of the Lash Bash weekend that we've become accustomed to. Uh, 2024 linebacker Sam Piloff. This was a guy that was certainly on our radars going into the day, Tyler. and uh, Out of a suburb of Madison in in Middleton, uh, Wisconsin, comes to town gets the offer um, clearly a guy that that's going to be hard to wrangle away from the Badgers if they continue to want him, but he's making the rounds right now. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin kid with an offer from Wisconsin is already camped at Wisconsin. You know, that, that's always a tough pull. He's, he's even got the Wisconsin mullet going for him. So, you know, that, that's going to be tough, but Hey, look, he's making the rounds for a reason, right? You know, that he's exploring his options. He, it is still so early in peel recruitment to the point where he's pretty much camping around the big 10, seeing what opportunities arise from him. And the one thing to note with him is, yes, he's from Wisconsin, but he has a lot of family in New Jersey. And that, that's actually how Rutgers was able to get in on him pretty early in his recruitment. So he's going to be camping there. I, I don't want to say this weekend, but I, I believe it's coming up pretty soon. But, yeah, he, he looked the part yesterday. Yeah, he got a nice little handshake from James Franklin after going through a drill. So it's obvious that the staff likes what they saw out of him. And this is a name we definitely need to keep an eye on moving forward now that he has the offer in hand. Wisconsin's – they're going to be there until the end. Let's see if Penn State can get itself into that conversation with Pilaf. He's a very intriguing prospect. Size, pretty athletic, has has a pretty good nose for the ball if you watch his tape, his sophomore year tape. So, yeah, definitely a prospect to monitor. Another Penn State scholarship offer coming out of this camp and another one that reaches west into Big Ten territory. Uh, Sam Williams-Dixon, a 2024 running back out of West Holmes High School in Millersburg, 
Ohio. Uh, and lastly, 2025 linebacker Deshaun Burnett. This is one of those names to file away for in-state prospects. He's out of um, Imani Christian Academy in Pittsburgh. Uh, Going to be 6'2", 200-pound range by the time he gets on the field for his sophomore season uh, and really projects as a Power 5 linebacker. This is his first Power 5 offer. I came to campus yesterday, got to work with Manny Diaz, and and by the, by the time we got to this show, he had reported that, that he had an offer in hand, which 2025, uh, that says something about the way he was able to impress the staff. Um, anything else to add here um, of, from 7-on-7 seven seven and, 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 and camps as we kind of wrap up that portion of June? I know that you're doing a great job of, of, of confirming some attendees for the 7-on-7 seven seven event tomorrow. Hopefully you're feeling up to, yeah, to being oh, there I with us. I hope so, man. I hope so. I want to be there for sure. <laughs> but but uh, did, what, what has stood out to you as we kind of come out of this process? So I just actually wanted to circle back on Dixon real quick. He, he was a guy who looked pretty good. He, he looked pretty good yesterday. You know, he – 5'10", 185, he ran the 40, and I believe it was the high 4'6 range. So he, he's a guy who's – he can move a little bit. I, I know he, he's mentioned in the past he's looking to add a little bit more speed to his game. So that I, I think that's a very interesting thing to monitor with him moving forward. But, yeah, it's just, you know, this whole – all of June, you know, I feel like this is the first legitimate camp circuit we've had in a long time just because of COVID and everything like that. And you've seen so many guys eager to get out there and just ball out and do what they can to get on the attention of – these the, these radars and actually it's pretty interesting. I talked to a uh, Tristan Ward, a 2024 wide receiver from Deerfield Academy. After he his looked camp, he looked really good yesterday, and he kept telling me, "He's like, man, look, I want to get up there and I want to make sure that when I left, the coaches knew who I was and they wouldn't forget who I was." And that's yeah. the mentality that a lot of these guys have had throughout the summer. They don't want to just get up there, compete, you know, go home, and that's that. They want to leave a lasting impact. And I've seen that with multiple kids throughout this summer. So this has been a pretty fun camp season to cover. Just, you know, so many guys hungrier than ever, in a sense, to get out there and really impress. And hopefully I'll get to see some more of that tomorrow. You know, I know you definitely will. But Hey, Tyler, let's wrap up with this official visit weekend on the horizon. Who are the names that people need to know? I know we're still kind of locking in on who's going to get to campus. It's that time of the month where – Guys are a little hesitant to confirm, and maybe there's some things in play. But you got a few locked in. Uh, what should we be watching for here in the next few days? So Cam Seldon's going to be the big dog on campus this weekend. You know, he he's a guy who he's a top 100 kid. He's been a Penn State's been after him for a long time, and I think this would they'd kind of like to have a successful visit to the point where they can lock this thing down sooner rather than later. I think Tennessee made some pretty significant progress with Seldon during its official visit. Last weekend, Penn State's looking to have a similar performance. Selvin's a guy, he, man, he's so athletic, and he can do so many different things. I think he's a guy who can wind up playing Sam. He can play safety. Heck, he can probably play wide receiver if he really wants to. He's just one of those dudes who's got it all going on for him. And Penn State staff knows that. That's why he's such a high priority. So, yeah, he's he'll, he's probably the biggest name heading to campus in my eyes in terms of priority target. The other guy I really like coming to campus this weekend is Daniel Harris, cornerback from Florida. Gulliver prep kid, long, good ball skills, good, really fast, nice closing speed. Another guy Penn State would love to add to its secondary. And I know we keep saying it, but, you know, him being another Southern kid, they're going to have to make that pitch where, hey, this is a place you could develop. It might not be SEC country, but so what? We got it going on here too. We have a lot to offer as well. So they had some success with that pitch last weekend, as we saw with the commitment of TJ Parker. They're looking to hopefully maybe have a similar impact on Harris to the point where Penn State's is serious contender coming out of the visit. 
Tyler, really appreciate it. The voice held up. You got yeah, through about yeah. 20 minutes here. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. We know you'll have a lot of uh, written content uh, up sure. on the site at lions247.com, and you'll be chiming in on the message board throughout the next few days. Appreciate you. Make sure our listeners are following you on Twitter. It's just very simple. Tyler Calvaruzzo. Uh, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you real soon. Of course, man. Thank you. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Great stuff from Tyler. And just, again, want to stress this. It is an evolving landscape day by day as we finish june so make sure you're locked into lines 247com as we get new confirmations midweek visitors uh, some intel coming out of that from brian doan up on the site as well um, and just generally as we get into thursday night friday morning we'll have a, a pretty locked down list on what this official visit group will look like as it continues to to get those confirmations um, now we got daniel gallon though to turn to our fellow colleague at lines 247com and been following his great work on the site. One of his pieces this week focused on the 2022 schedule, which, believe it or not, kickoff now 70 days away, Daniel, uh, Thursday night uh, at Purdue, September 1st. We've got a lot to learn about this team through preseason camp. We're going to have plenty to write about and talk about between now and then, but it's never too early to start working our way through 12 games. Now, James Franklin is going to hate this kind of a conversation. He would love for us to say, well, Purdue's the most important game, and we're really not sure who they play after that. But we've got a pretty good understanding of what awaits these Nittany Lions. Started 5-0 and last year, finished 7-6. and It's going to be a gauntlet again in the Big Ten East. Uh, Out-of-conference road trip to Auburn's not going to be easy. So let's start at number 12, and this was kind of uh, the layup for you, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 70 days, 10 weeks, however you want to put it. We're, we're getting closer to that, that night at Purdue. But uh, Penn State's home opener against Ohio checks in at, at number 12, uh, going 12-1. to Obviously, I have to say this is in terms of importance, and importance <laughs> is what you define it as. So that's kind of where the discussion comes from uh, with this, and and you've seen it on the message board already since you posted your story. Oh uh, yeah, it, it's an uh, incredibly unscientific uh, <laughs> uh, measurement. Uh, in in terms of gauging the importance, I tried to look at where the game is on the schedule, uh, who the opponent is, what the implications of that game possibly could be, uh, and kind of just to generally look at that, like. You look at in general, you look at the Michigan State game as a season finale. That's a little bit lower on the list because theoretically, I expect maybe one of Penn State or Michigan State to be in the New Year's Six conversation, maybe the Big Ten title game competition, but not necessarily both. Whereas if both were to be in it, then you maybe move it up a little bit. So I had a little fun with it. It was a good, good little brain exercise. Uh, but I think when you look at the non-conference games, there's there's no surprise which, which games kind of start out our list. And obviously, Penn State fans of a of a certain age will not look back too fondly on home openers against Ohio uh, when you think about 10 years ago and uh, start of Bill O'Brien's tenure against the Bobcats. But uh, three and nine out of the MAC last year, kind of looking at the landscape, there's there's really no no question for me what which uh, which team should start uh, at at number 12 on this list. And now we, we don't get to the Big Ten quite yet, but we do stay in that early out-of-conference schedule. We fast-forward a couple weeks to, to Game 4 in 2022, September 24th, and Jim McElwain brings a Central Michigan team that did win nine games last year. Yeah, the, the Chippewas were an interesting case when you look at a 9-4 and four team out of the MAC. Obviously, they're, you can look at it on paper and think, okay, there, there might be a little bit of juice there, but... We saw last year a Ball State team came in that we heard so much about how veteran they were, how experienced they were, and how this is a team that can give Penn State some problems uh, early in the year. And 
I may have mentioned that myself. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think I did too. It, it, It didn't really turn out to be the case. And today I dove into some transfer portal stuff and Central Michigan lost some of their top defenders to the portal. Uh, They had a couple guys transfer up. They returned their top running back. But I think that when you put the Penn State roster up against the the Central Michigan roster, I think that even a 9-1 team uh, against this Penn State team, you kind of get to a, a logical conclusion, I guess. Now, Northwestern is a team that right now is on a really strong recruiting run, and, and they do it in a different way there. Um, they're 3-9, and nine, though, last year. They were 1-8 and eight in the conference. That's pretty uncharacteristic for the Pat Fitzgerald era. Let's remember a couple uh, trips to Indy in recent memory. Um, and, and you've got them, I guess, as the least important looking ahead Big Ten matchup. And, uh, hey, I guess as a Rutgers alum, maybe that's a little progress for my Scarlet Knights. <laughs> Yeah, I I think Northwestern is kind of it's hard to pin down a little bit because that program is so predicated on development. And you look at the recent history, there's the uh, the Big Ten West titles in 2018 and 2020. Uh, They're not really it's they're kind of a cyclical team, I think, over Pat Fitzgerald's tenure. But you kind of you just don't really know what what the quarterback situation is going to be there. Um, whether or not Ryan Holinsky or someone else will be the answer. They lost Brandon Joseph to Notre Dame. Um, it just seems they're like they're in a tough spot. And this game is it's at Beaver Stadium. Uh, it's October 1st. Uh, you're obviously maybe you can catch Penn State looking ahead to the bye week. But I think that Penn State will be ready for this one, knowing that it is at home. It's the start of Big Ten play in earnest. And I think that knowing what awaits uh, after the bye week, I think, will should have this this team pointed in the right direction yeah that's october 1st and as you said the bye week follows and this is the point of the schedule where we'll see where penn state's at and we'll see where that quarterback spot is at because to me this is naturally you're going to look toward that bye week and it's not drew aller i'm focused on still it's christian veyu until proven otherwise um but this is the area where i think you got to gauge where you're at with sean clifford ideally if you're mike yersich and the nittany lions you're rolling and the quarterback's a big part of that but if you're not in the quarterback, a big part of that, well, then this is probably the phase of the schedule where you start to, to dig in. But October is not going to be a cakewalk for, for whatever they come out of that bye week. Um, let's look at at, when we, at at Rutgers because they are number nine, <laughs> not too far up the totem pole, but not the least important Big Ten uh, game in your opinion. And so this was a matchup last year where obviously Penn State was missing 20 guys or so turned to their backup quarterback and really still didn't have much of an issue against Rutgers. And that's really been the case in this matchup for many years now where Rutgers, you know, whether it's catching Penn State sleepwalking early or putting up a good fight early, you get uh, maybe a contentious first half and, and then a game that just gets put to bed uh, progressively. Sometimes Penn State has done that emphatically. Oftentimes they've kind of worked their way and meandered through the second half and, you know, walk away with the win. Key here has been Rutgers can't score points, and until that changes, I can't see much changing in Piscataway this year, even as Rutgers comes off a season in which they got into a bowl game. Definitely. In, in, in looking at this game, it, it's just hard to see Rutgers as, as kind of a, a real contender uh, in the Big Ten East right now. Obviously, Greg Schiano, I think he lifts the floor of the program significantly. I think that there's a level of competence uh, with this team that we didn't see at times during the the Chris Ash era or maybe the Kyle Flood era. So I think that Rutgers is a team where whenever you play them, you know you're going to get a tough game for quarter, quarter and a half. But as we saw last year, even Penn State missing uh, all the guys that they were, the Rutgers offense just didn't have it. 
I mean, maybe this game is November 19th. Maybe Gavin Wimsat, uh, the former four-star quarterback uh, recruit, maybe he has kind of kicked into gear. Maybe Rutgers has figured some things out. But I think that when you look at this Penn State schedule, you look at what's expected out of Penn State, you don't necessarily circle this game. Yeah, we've become accustomed to these late November matchups between Rutgers and Penn State. Another one uh, coming up. Uh, and, and in fact, numbers nine through six on your rundown here all in the month of November. So I think that kind of shows how this schedule shapes up early on some of the difficulty and then what October presents. But let's continue on with that November schedule because Rutgers is, is the 19th of November. A couple weeks before that, they take a trip to Bloomington, Indiana. Last time it was a house of horrors for them. A lot of things went wrong that day. It was the, during the pandemic year. It was the start of a really rough tailspin in 2020. And now here we come two years later, uh, Indiana. I mean, it, they're hardly even recognizable based on the product they put on the field last year. You definitely could have flipped Indiana and Rutgers on this list. But I think that when you're talking about where things are in the schedule and kind of maybe a little bit of the, the psychic energy or what this game kind of means in Bloomington. I think that that kind of uh, heightens things a little bit. Obviously, Michael Penix is uh, no longer uh, in Indiana. He's out at Washington. Uh, it'll be Connor Baz Basilak or Jack Tuttle uh, at quarterback. And, you know, Indiana needs to bounce back. I think that Tom Allen is trying to show that 2020 wasn't an aberration that, that 2020 year was kind of what he'd been building towards what Indiana is building towards as a program. Um, and I think where this game falls on the schedule for Penn state, it's after that three game run that we'll get to uh, that has the toughest games of the year. So I think that we'll know a lot about where Penn state is uh, coming out of that and what they need to do, uh, where they are in the standings, where they are in terms of trying to get full eligibility. And I think that this game is important because you need to come into this, these final four games, uh, you know, really running uh, because this is where you could maybe lose the season, or maybe this is where you could even make the season with this, this three game stretch with this, this close to the year. Uh, one week before that trip to Bloomington, you want to talk about looking to exercise some of those 2020 demons. The Maryland Terrapins come back to Beaver Stadium, and last time they did that, they they ran the Nittany Lions for a bit of a buzzsaw, and it was a really, really low point in that 2020 season before things got turned around. Last year, Penn State uh, went down to College Park, took care of business, came with that late pick six to seal the deal. Phenomenal record-setting performance from John Dotson, who won't be available this time around, but this is one that I, I just feel like, again, this team doesn't want to look past week one opponent. just feels like it's going to be a very personal uh, matchup for Penn State, considering what happened last time they hosted Maryland. James Franklin has, you know, Penn State has never been shy about uh, putting some points on the board uh, when they play Maryland, uh, as we've as we've seen in the past. But like you said, the last time Maryland was in Beaver Stadium, it did not go well. Uh, for Penn State, that was the, the type of game where you look at the final score, and I don't think it was that close based on what I remember about watching that game. So Maryland comes in. This is another team that is very hot and cold. You don't really know what you're going to get out of Talia Tunga-Vailoa. He's a very high-variance quarterback, and you have to be ready because if he's hot, uh, you could be in some trouble with that group of wide receivers that they have, uh, Rakim Jarrett. Uh, Jacob Copeland, the Florida transfer. Obviously, we're not necessarily sure what Dante Demas is going to be health-wise after his injury last year. Um, I think that, that Penn State has the you know the more complete roster, uh, the deeper team. But with Maryland, with that high-end talent, with that quarterback, with those wide receivers, 
they can they can score enough points to keep up with you. Um, so I think in terms of looking at this game, um, this is in the middle of that Indiana Maryland Rutgers stretch, um, and obviously you need to navigate your way through this and, and avoid any slip ups. So we're officially into the front half uh, of the schedule in terms of the importance factor. Uh, we're through those bottom six. And now this is one where I think people probably will push back against you uh, out of out of what we've gone through so far. Because Michigan State, after an 11-win season last year and after beating uh, Penn State in East Lansing, uh, comes up at number six. This is the final game of the year. Most beautiful trophy in all the land available to the winner of this game. And it's, it's in Beaver Stadium this time around, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So... What say you to justify the placement? Yeah, I thought a lot about last year's game when we were in uh, when we were out in East Lansing on a very, very snowy day. Uh, everyone was focused on Ann Arbor a couple hours away. You had Ohio State, you had Michigan. And and by the time this game kicked off, uh, Michigan State wasn't necessarily playing for a Big Ten title game slot or the division. They're planning to get into the New York New Year's six. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things that could be kind of decided at this point in the year based on Michigan and Ohio State uh, and based on Penn State and Michigan State, because maybe Penn State's better than they were last year. Michigan State, maybe they caught lightning in the bottle last year. Um, I think that in terms of looking at the season, I think that both of these teams we need to learn a little bit more about. Uh, so I think I felt a little bit more comfortable putting this down low. But like I said in the post, anywhere between numbers four and six and even number three, based on what some of some of our commenters were saying, I think that you could go almost any order from here to number two and you'd feel fine with it. And naturally, being the regular season finale, there's going to be postseason implications. Uh, you know, we don't know where Penn State will be. As a Nittany Lions fans out there would, would love for them to be in Big Ten title contention and be trying to punch their ticket to Indianapolis. But it may be the difference of trying to push yourselves towards a New Year's Six Bowl or a Citrus Bowl versus pushing your way toward a Pinstripe Bowl or a Quick Lane Bowl. So uh, you know, that's the importance there. I see it. And, and next up, Purdue. Uh, nine and four last season. This is the opener. And I think a lot of people will say, it's got to be higher. It's going to be the tone setter. Penn State has a lot to prove after the way last season. And it's on the road on Thursday night. There'll be a lot of eyes on this game early in the Big Ten schedule. This one, again, feels a little bit lower than some people maybe would anticipate. Yeah, I think that this has a good case to be number four, number three, number two. Um, I think something that I thought a lot about, too, was that Wisconsin game last year to open the year, where if they don't get those two goal line stands at the end, how the tenor of that season feels just so different um and especially when you look at how things went the the type of margin of error there was with with how close some of these games were um i think that the season takes on a, a whole different kind of hue and and that team getting that win i think was a big weight off of their shoulders based on how um based on how the 2020 season ended so to kind of come out and be able to end that losing streak um it, it seems pretty personal to to a lot of the players but i think that given that this is a big 10 game obviously you don't want to start 0 and 1 uh in the standings i mean that that i mean i'm stating the obvious but to be 0 and 1 on september 1st it kind of sets things up a little differently uh it really the margin of error gets even slimmer um and then you're just kind of playing from behind uh through the rest of the season so i think that you you start out on the right foot uh, you go into that long weekend and then you navigate the the rest of your non-conference schedule, which can could be a little tricky. Um, and then you can kind of turn your attention towards the back half of the schedule. 
Last time we saw Purdue in action, they won an overtime thriller in the Music City Bowl over Tennessee, 48 to 45. They've got a six-year quarterback, too, on the other sideline, and, and Aiden O'Connell. Just, just like Penn State, they lost their top pass target, David Bell, off to the NFL. Um, George Karloftis, an outstanding defensive lineman. So both these teams lose some key pieces, bring back a familiar-facing quarterback. Where I come down on this, at least in terms of talent, is look at the recruiting sample size and, and how these rosters have been made up. That should really skew toward the Penn State Nittany Lions, but this is week one. We don't really, we're not going to have much to go off of considering what we'll see in preseason camp to have our minds wrapped around what Mike Yursich is going to be doing and what this defense is going to look like under Manny Diaz. So, definitely a wild card game. And, and Purdue, you know, they've been circling this one for a while. The opportunity to open with a lot of eyeballs on them, people wondering, can Brom take the next step with this program? And it's going to be a showcase event uh, for that program. So, Daniel, we'll move forward, and and I think there's a lot of debate to be had on you know the list moving forward, really the top six here. Uh, but let's go to Minnesota, which has recently been named that whiteout matchup in Beaver Stadium for the year. It's October 22nd. You're looking for storylines? Well, talk about veteran quarterbacks. Tanner Morgan's coming to town. We saw him in Minneapolis carve up this Penn State defense and halt the unbeaten run in 2019. And, oh, by the way, Kirk Shiraka, who was dialing up plays that day in Minneapolis, spent a year, an abbreviated campaign, uh, and then nine games later, was sent to the exit door and replaced by Mike Yersich. So you've got a cup, an interesting offensive line or an interesting offensive coordinator showdown, the quarterback showdown, and just the whiteout atmosphere. Uh, this deserves to be high on your list. Yeah, I think the whiteout is what maybe pushed it up over the Purdue game. Obviously, there's a lot of significance that goes into that. There's a lot of juice that goes into that. There's a lot of discussion about whether or not this should even be the whiteout. But I think it's a big game, especially because it falls in between Michigan and Ohio State. Minnesota is a was a nine win team last year. They run the ball uh, really well, um, even though it, it's crazy. Their their top two uh, rushers transferred out um, after the end of last season, but they get Mo Ibrahim back. Um, and He's they outstanding. Have, yeah, I, I hope he comes back at at full strength. Um, and then the kid from Williamsport, Trey Potts. Um, he also dealt with injuries last year, and so he should be back. So that should give uh, the Minnesota running game a little bit of juice. And then at the same time, uh, the last two years, those offenses, uh, Tanner Morgan's numbers were down, but those offenses were not Kirk Chiraca offenses. Uh, how is this going to be different? How much of this is that 2019 team uh, when obviously Tanner Morgan had some great wide receivers, but he was air they're airing it out more. They were a little bit more of a dynamic offense where I think last year's Minnesota team would kind of sit on you at times, you know, kind of keep, keep things a little close. So I think that there's some really intriguing football storylines. And then obviously you get to Kirk Shiraka coming back um, 2020. Uh, I'm sure James Franklin doesn't want to talk about 2020 anymore. A lot of people don't want to talk about it anymore, but I think it'll be coming up a lot that week. And it, if they all fail, you know, you'd hope for the sake of Mike Yersich and everybody that's going to be asked questions that week that the offense is in a good spot. Because if it's not in a good spot for Penn State and Minnesota's coming in and, and they've got something generating with some explosiveness and some points, and the storyline's going to be pretty negative uh, that week. But uh, I think right now, you think in, in best case scenario, it has the makings for a shootout with a couple offensive coordinators that have been really hot topics here in Happy Valley. And that makes our job easier and it makes it a lot of fun uh, leading up to that game. Uh, which again, October 22nd, I think by then, I mean, here's the key. We're going to have a very strong indication of what this Penn State 
team has as far as the ceiling, what they have in front of them, if they're entering a developmental and let's see what the young guys got kind of phase, or if they're saying let's buckle up and try to win a Big Ten title, maybe somewhere in between. Um, but the top three now, uh, and, and Penn State's going to return the favor to Auburn. Auburn was up for the whiteout game last year. It was a great environment, narrow win for the Nittany Lions. They'll head down to Auburn. Both those teams were in the top 25 early ended up really going down the, the slide. Auburn actually finished under 500. So this is a team in Auburn that is at a real, real difficult crossroads for a coaching staff that feels like they still just got there. And Penn State, if they can go down there and deliver a series sweep, it's going to be bad news for the Tigers. Yeah, I think that Auburn kind of had the the year zero thing under Brian Harson last year with kind of the the transfers, guys leaving, guys figuring out what the program is all about. But when you're at a school like Auburn, you can't really have year zeros. Um, and I think we saw that this offseason with, with some of the rumors that were going around about Brian Harson's job status and, and everything like that. But I think even though Auburn, it's an under 500 team, uh, it's a team that you don't know who their quarterback's going to be yet. They lost a lot through the transfer portal. I think that you have this game high on the list because it's a, it's a national showcase game. It's in that SEC on CBS slot. It'll be 2.30 local time in uh, the middle of September, which Sticky. I think yeah, you're going to learn a lot about the, the fortitude uh, intestinal and otherwise uh, of this Penn State team uh, and kind of where they're at physically. And I think that this is just an important game as kind of a, a tone setter. You get the big win over the SEC team on the road. You get a series sweep. Uh, your season looks really good. I think last year after the Auburn game, that's kind of when everyone thought, oh, we Penn State might have something this year. There, there might be something with this team. And this is this game is at the point in the year, week three, where you can set the tone and the you know the the pieces kind of fall into place a little bit. In between what Tank Bigsby can do out of that backfield and that aforementioned heat factor. It's going to be good for Penn State to have that depth on the defensive line that we've discussed. If that can come to fruition, could be a very serious edge in that matchup. We're into the top two, and I don't think there's any surprise here. Maybe maybe people thought Auburn would be in, involved in that top two, but you got Michigan, the reigning Big Ten champion. You got Ohio State, who was reigning for a long time before Michigan took the crown, and, and you got Michigan at number two. Uh, it's going to be a trip up to Ann Arbor, and last time that happened in front of an empty big house. Kevon Lee had a 100-yard rushing game, and Penn State got off the schneid and finally picked up their first win of 2020 in Game 6. Yeah, I think that looking at Michigan, obviously it's going to be a different team. They lost a lot. Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajavo are gone, which I'm sure Sean Clifford will be happy about. <laughs> uh, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, is gone. Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, is gone. Uh, this is going to look a lot different. Um, it's going to be a very different Michigan team. But I think that you look at where it is on the schedule. You're coming out of the bye week. Um, hope if you're Penn State, you hope worst case scenario, you're you're four and one, maybe you're five and zero going into this game, and you have Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. Uh, if you can, I think you need to win two out of three in that stretch to really keep yourself in position uh, in the Big Ten. And I think that if you get the win here, you have yourself in good position uh, going down the stretch. Um, and I think that. Obviously, anytime you beat Michigan, too, it says a lot about the program. I think that that's a, the type of win that can translate onto the recruiting trail, into the oh, yeah. profile of the program. And it kind of means a little bit more in terms of the, everything around the program as in, in addition to the standings, the polls, the playoff picture.
Yeah, and Harbaugh and Franklin during their tenures, they've kind of gone back and forth, landing some haymakers, some ugly losses for each of them. And, and it's it's always an interesting matchup when, when those two teams get together. And, and we'll see, because like you said, key here for Penn State is to take care of business in Beaver Stadium early on, those three home games, Central Michigan, Ohio, Northwestern. And, and in my mind, it's to split, at least split those road matchups at Purdue, at Auburn. If he can sweep them and you somehow get the 5-0, and oh, hey, that, that's fantastic for Penn State. But in my opinion, you get the 4-1, and one, and then you've got everything ahead of you coming out of the bye week. There's a lot to like there. And, and I guess if you had to pick the loss, you'd probably go Auburn just because you're, you're taking uh, one out of the loss column in the Big Ten standing. So, uh, it, one, Ohio State. It is the team that everybody is seemingly trying to hurdle in the Big Ten. Michigan finally did it last year. But Ohio State always reloads. They're they're back with Heisman Trophy contenders. That's plural. And, you know, this is just the impasse that Penn State faces. It's on the recruiting trail. It's right here. And it's Penn State's ceiling, despite that 2016 victory and propelling them to the Big Ten title game, has really been that they hit their head when the against the Buckeyes. Yeah, I think when you look at where Michigan and Michigan State are in terms of the years they had last year and the changes this offseason, Ohio State is kind of the one that you need to get through. Um, mm -hmm. I think that if you beat Ohio State, you, it's kind of you, you control your own destiny. You're in the driver's seat. Uh, and that sends a statement, not just in the win column, but to the rest of the league, to the rest of the country. And I think that it positions you well, especially when you look at what the November schedule looks like for Penn State. Uh, where if you know if the dominoes fall right, they they beat Ohio State, they can take care of business the, those next three weeks, and you get to the Michigan State game, and things are things might already be locked up uh, in terms of the division, uh, in terms of what the playoff picture looks like. So I think that with Ohio State, I mean it's kind of the it's just the easy answer. When I made this list, I penciled this in at number one before I even started at twelve to work my way up, um, because if you want to be on top. Uh, even though Michigan was on top last year, I mean, Ohio State is the the standard in terms of their consistency, their talent and what they're capable of. And so if you want to get to Indianapolis, I think that you have to go through Ohio State. I mean, the litmus test is legit because Franklin essentially applied it after the 2018 game with his great two elite speech with a lot of people remember. And, you know, the last five years, people get tired of hearing this, but Penn State has played Ohio State as consistently competitive as anyone in the country, as anyone in the Big Ten, but hasn't equated to the wins. And now in the recruiting trail, which is where Ohio State continues to lead the way in the Big Ten as well, you know, if you're a 16-year-old recruit night right now, you were 10, 11 years old when Marcus Allen, you know, came up clutch and Grant Haley took that thing back to the house and, and Penn State took down Ohio State and won a Big Ten championship. So it's not going to resonate as much for you. And uh, boy, I mean, it, there's a lot of ways the season can go. And I think one of those ways, if, even if you ended up with four losses, if you had Ohio State, a win over Ohio State, it would just be a different pill to swallow. I think people don't want to hear four losses and feel comfortable about it. But there's just so much hinges on what Penn State can accomplish long term with, with the coach that they just gave a huge deal to. And they have all these NIL focus and they have so much recruiting resources, so much hinges on finding a way to catch up and potentially surpass Ohio State. And if you can find the algorithm to make that happen, uh, good luck. Yeah, and I think this game will be a little bit different. It'll be fun in a different type of way because it isn't the whiteout. I think that that's kind of a, a nice little change of pace. 
I think that you read the tea leaves, you're looking at maybe a, a noon or an afternoon game. And I think that it'll just make things look a little bit differently. It'll be a, a different kind of game. It'll be a different looking game. And I think that that's something just from a, a viewer's perspective, from a fan's perspective, uh, will be bring something a little bit different uh, to this rivalry, uh, to the, to this series. That is the game that wraps up October for Penn State. That is the game that wraps up our rundown here with Daniel. Daniel, great work on lines247.com with this piece. Enjoyed the read. Enjoyed the conversation. And it's something that we can definitely discuss further in length as we get closer to kickoff 10 weeks away from today. Yeah, I know that you've got your uh, game-by-game predictions up on on lines 24-7 in a video. And maybe I'll get mine up there uh, before the end of this offseason. But going through this exercise, I think really it it puts some things into focus uh, that I'll be thinking about uh, between now and September 1st over the next 70 days. All right, Daniel, we appreciate it. Thanks again to Tyler Calvaruzzo for hopping on with us and to our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. Keep locked into lines247.com throughout the rest of the week and into the weekend as official visits happen. The seven on seven tournament Saturday will have or Friday. We'll have full coverage of that out on the field and whatever comes out of those official visits into early next week. We'll break it down with a new episode of the lines 24 seven podcast. We'll talk to you then. Take care.